It takes bravery to be a musician, to be a solo artist, to go it alone. Do we avoid the band dynamic purposely because we can't deal with anyone else and maybe no one else can deal with us? Because we're introverts, social misfits, because bands are like marriages, and who wants to make appointments with other people? Who wants to be tied down? Who wants to hear someone else's take? Nay, their criticism! When you can be as precious as you want about your own tastes and your own takes instead. Or do we go solo circumstantially? You made your moves on the chessboard and this is how life turned out. For me, it feels like a bit of both, probably a little more from category A. But whatever your hangups about being in a band may be, navigating this business alone can be scary. Especially now, a full two decades after the turn of the century and the end of human interaction away from a computer, a microphone, or a camera. So to go it alone, you gotta be brave. Maybe traumatized too, but brave either way. And I'm not talking about Ariana Grande brave. I'm talking about the commonality between all the independent souls that sit down for this podcast. I'm talking about music's middle and lower class. Because music is still a business and you gotta pay the bills. And when the fix isn't in, when the backroom deals aren't already made, when it's just you and another guy driving around the country playing your dreamy electro pop tunes that you poured hours of your life and your soul into in front of dwindling crowds while a good number of them yak it up as you sing, when you're up against all that and you're still doing it on your own, it can't be because you're bored, right? It's because you were meant to do it. And that seems the case for John Jagos, a.k.a. Brother Tiger, as he drives down to D.C. from my hometown of Brooklyn to be interviewed for episode 92 of the Independent Minded Podcast. We're meeting at Comet Ping Pong in Washington, D.C., right outside the sleepy little town of Chevy Chase, Maryland. And yeah, you f***ing heard me. Comet f***ing Ping Pong. And yeah, it has Ping Pong. No, there's no Comet, no Cupid, nor Donder, nor Blitzen. But there is plenty of pizza. And plenty of little kids eating said pizza with mommy and daddy. Little kids with tomato sauce all over their faces and all over their ping pong balls, chasing down the stray ones that land behind the nearby bar as I drink a beer and wait for John Jagos to pull into the Comet Ping Pong parking lot. Needless to say, Comet Ping Pong is, shall we say, a non-traditional performance space. But in about an hour, John Jagos, a.k.a. Brother Tiger, will be up on a small makeshift stage wearing a headset mic, staring into a laptop inside a big red suitcase overflowing with patch cables, performing songs from his new EP. And after lugging their gear inside, John orders an arugula salad, then talks to me about the start of his tour. And he talks like playing a last-minute rescheduled live show at a ping-pong pizza place on a Friday night is normal, as in what else would he possibly be doing besides this? And talking to John Jagos about all this, then watching him play to an impromptu crowd of pepperoni-loving millennials, watching him sing into his headset mic and play his soft synths and his hard synths, with no fancy lighting, no backup singers, not even a flautist to accompany him, just John Jagos in a big red suitcase. No tour manager, no roadies, no merch girl. It reminds me how brave you have to be to do this every night, how much you have to want it. And I know this because I'm not that brave. I couldn't handle what John Jagos has to handle, what he must handle, to raise awareness for the cool new lush harmony-filled synth-pop album he just released before he got in his car with Dave and drove down to the district. And that's why I'm still on this end of the conversation and why I might always be. Because even if the fire's still burning, I'm no longer built for this life. Maybe I never was. It's not that I can't do it alone. It's because I won't. So after the interview, I'm out in the crowd drinking a PBR. Because two decades after the turn of the century and the slow death of the music industry, I'm carrying too much weight to be up on that little stage instead. But John Jagos is as light as a feather. And because he is, he gets to be Brother Tiger. 
You get to spend his days and nights learning Tears for Fears songs from the big chair from cover to cover. Sing his songs, eat some free pizza, drink a few beers, sell a couple albums, and then move on to the next pizza ping pong place and do it all over again. And he seems content doing it. He seems built for this. So in a lot of ways, I envy him. John and I talk about going it alone, the Jungle Book, the Toledo Mud Hens, playing inside a teapot, and making depressing tropical music. Let's kick it off with Shallow, the first song off Brother Tiger's A Chain of Islands EP, then my interview with John Jagos right here on Independent Minded. It's Ronnie Scalzo's amazing podcast. It's Ronnie Scalzo's amazing podcast. He's talking to people who make our music. He's plugging their projects, He's making them famous. He's helping them out just by making them talk about all the cool shit that they do.
Is this the backstage area of this Comic is, Ping this Pong? This is the green room, they call it. I'm wondering, yeah. you know, I just took the headphones off because I like to keep this informal. Mm -hmm. But there's a bunch of kids behind us, maybe about five yards behind us, yes. playing ping pong. <laughs> playing ping pong, yeah. Beyond that, here at Comic Ping Pong, there's uh, a bunch of drunkards Oh, really? Eating delicious pizza. Yeah, I was just at the bar waiting for you to show up. And they're drunk already. Uh, I mean, maybe they're just, that's their natural okay. state of mind, but it seemed like they were enjoying themselves. Do people like get lit in DC like pretty early? Like compared to like your experience in New York, this isn't really a late town, is it? No, I feel no. like compared to New York, DC is kind of like a sleepy town. Yeah. So I'm backstage at Comet Ping Pong, and I'm excited because every new podcast here in dc has been in a new venue okay but this is a completely different part of town from where all the not the regular clubs but the club quote-unquote scene in dc is oh, i did not know that okay. well where else have you mr john jagos of brother tiger uh played in dc besides um, here at comic ping pong 9 30 club okay I've been there. <laughs> that's like the uh the big one <laughs> right right the doozy. The big one. um the doozy. the doozy i did uh the downstairs at black cat Mm -hmm. I think twice. Been there as well. I love that place. And then um, DC9. And then this place, I've played at Comet Ping Pong once before, two years ago. Now, you're here under somewhat extraneous circumstances. Yes. We were originally supposed to meet up at a place called Songbird, Songbird Music Cafe and Record Shop. Yeah. And <laughs> I'd been there before to see a band who was on this podcast once upon a time, mm. based out of Brooklyn, called Dolly Spartans. Okay. Cool place. Gets packed up pretty quickly. Mm. Not a lot of room to maneuver. This place is much more, uh, like, more of a wide open space. Right, right, right. Uh, certainly character to it. And, I think uh, it's a better look for what we're doing. So, as an independent artist who's probably played all over the country, yeah. we'll get to that. How do you handle an experience like that? The show is double booked. Getting, oh, getting double. <laughs> right. The show is double booked. It's, yeah. You were prepared to come down here anyway. Yeah. Right. To, to we we're just gonna not, come. not just for the sake of talking to me. I mean, it was on. Yeah, we had we wanted to cover ground to get to our next stop, which is uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. So you're in the midst of your tour to support your new. We EP. started our first night was last night in Brooklyn. Right on. Yeah. Where'd you play in Brooklyn? Knitting Factory. Huge okay, crowd. Cool. Really great show. Nice. It's great. Really good kickoff. Are you a hometown Brooklyn boy? Well, not originally. I'm, I'm originally from Ohio. Okay. Um, whereabouts? Toledo. Okay. And Home of the Mudheads. Man, you're the second person in two days <laughs> who has literally said, oh, Mudheads. No, I'm not like, a Mudheads fan. I'm not a Mud... I can't even say it. Is anyone... I'm not a Mudheads fan. So I wouldn't speak, say I am either. As, it's, yeah, as a baseball fan yeah. and, and a fan of... Uh, as a casual fan of minor league baseball, I've heard okay. of the Toledo Mudheads. They're a pretty good team every Are year. They, what, who's their I major guess? league affiliate? Tigers. Okay. Always have been. So for the entire history of John Jagos... Yeah. In Toledo, the Ohio. Toledo Mudhens have been <laughs> yeah, affiliated uh, with the Tigers. The minor league affiliate of the Detroit yeah, Tigers. That's right. So back to the experience here. Your second uh -huh. show, moving down south. I assume you're headed further down south after this. Yes. You're double booked. Mm -hmm. You can't stop, won't stop. You mm -hmm. got a new EP to promote. How do you handle a situation like that? I mean, to be honest, that's never really happened to me before. Oh, really? It's, no, I mean, I've never been like double. I mean. I'm not trying to like hate on them, but it's just kind of like really unprofessional in a way. Right. And well, what was so, it? What did they tell you? I didn't hear any of this. Our booking agent kind of relayed this to us, like that, like they were just like, we forgot that there was this like comedy show. Did <laughs> you said oopsie. 
Yeah, and they were like, but so we're pushing you guys to like, you know, 11.30. You got bumped for comedy? Yeah. Oh, man. And we're, well, it's like this like weekly comedy thing. Sounds like a tragedy. Something. They pushed us back, and then they were like, you guys get like 30-minute sets, you know, and which is, that's not like the worst thing. But it was just, the, the whole thing was just really stupid. And it was, I was like, you know what, like, I don't think we should deal with this. And it was so last minute, too, that I was like, nobody is going to be available to do a show. Now, how do yeah. you scramble to wind up at the pizza ping pong place? Like I found the old email we used, like when we, like from the advance, the last time I played here. Yeah. I sent it to my booking agent. I was like, we should hit these guys up. Like I looked at their calendar. It was, they don't do a lot of shows here. That's the thing. It's kind of like booking agents hit them up and be like, you know, can we do a show here? You know, they're not like, you know, DC nine every day, like of the weekend into like Tuesday. It's a lot for them to put on a show here. They have to, like, build the sound system and all this stuff. So it's cool. It's a good vibe, and it sounds good back here. So Now, you're an electronic solo artist. Yes. So you're just going to basically be up here performing. What can I expect tonight? What can I expect to visually see? Visually, it's me <laughs> with a big orange box full of <laughs> modular. He's pointing to a big orange box. Full of modular synths and uh, triggering stuff in Ableton and twiddling knobs. No choreographed dancing or anything like that. And then I brought, like, I have a synth. I have an old Roland synth that I play. No choreographed no, dancing. You know, I have a headset. I have a headset mic, so um, a lot of people assume that I'm. There's a routine. That's You're gonna made. do the like the spin they do, like when you yeah. go to like your friend's wedding. Yes. And they try to get people out on the dance floor. Something like that. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I try to do as much as I can with it because you know, there's like I feel like there's this taboo with performing electronic music live as like a solo artist but you know i am doing a lot <laughs> like i'm switching through each part of the song and sure uh manipulating certain drums and and synths and you know playing soft synths and playing hardware synths and it's a lot it's a lot of stuff so now you grew up in toledo i did when did you move to brooklyn i moved to brooklyn in at the end of 2012 right after i graduated from college why bushwick did you uh, start in Bushwick or? Yeah, I've always been in yeah. Bushwick. So you, oh, so you're a pioneer. Because in 2012, Bushwick wasn't yeah. 2019 Bushwick. Well, here's the thing. I was there in 2010, too, because I over the summer I interned at a recording studio. And then I went back to school, finished my degree, went on a European tour, then graduated. And then, oh, wow. Yeah, and then um, moved to Brooklyn because there was an open room in this apartment studio. Right. So circumstances yeah. kind of led you to where yeah. you are. So it was kind of just like, I should just do this. It worked. So it was all great. And I like worked out of there. Like I did sessions there for like a year or so. And For the last few years, I've been trying to resurrect my career as a solo artist. Mm -hmm. It takes a certain amount of bravery uh -huh. to do things on your own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why did you choose to go down that path? Have you always been a solo artist? Have you collaborated with others? So, like, when I was in high school and I first started, like, getting into Ableton. Yeah. That's, which is still my main, like, DAW. Uh, I was, like, yeah. <laughs> Digital audio <laughs> workstation audio, for the layman. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, I was starting with that and, like, I was just doing stuff on my own and just, like, kind of digging into, like, electronic music in general. So, I kind of got used to the idea of doing things on my own. In high school, though, I was, like, playing in bands and, like, you know, kind of fooling around with that. I remember I would like take my parents' Mac 
iMac, like the first model of the iMac, I would lug it around with You're dating me yourself here, because right? it had like a cracked <laughs> copy of Ableton on it. And I would like play with my friends, like with a MIDI keyboard, like this is my like synth, like it's, a, but it's like all on this computer. It's like so dumb. But and then when I started like crafting what would become like Brother Tiger stuff, it was just like, it just made sense. Like for me to just kind of do it on my own. And I don't know, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, really controlling and like the kind of sound I want. And, and I think it just developed from like me starting to learn this stuff on my own, you know, I want to talk about the tears for fears. Okay. Cover album. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, songs from the big chair. Probably. I don't want to go as deep as to say it's like maybe one of my 10 favorite albums of all time, mm. but as an artist mm. who kind of tries to emulate the bands that I like, mm. it's definitely like an influential album. Sure. Why that album? What about that album uh, um, inspired you to kind of go in that direction? Ooh, look, a salad has arrived. Thank you. Is that arugula? Look at this. All right. So why that album? Why that album? Well, it's my favorite record of all time. Of like, just when you consider like production, songwriting, when you consider just performance, it hits all those things for me. Like this label that specializes in like cover albums like or compilations of like cover songs for like the anniversary of the smiths like i got involved with this label i think they're called reimagine music the guy who runs it he sent me like a query to contribute a song for the smiths um it was like the 30th anniversary of oh, what's that record how soon is now is that the i That's don't the song is there a record? I don't, there's like some, I don't know, like, I'm not really deep on like the Smiths like album. Nor I, I'm, I'm a singles guy when it comes well, to it was, Smiths. it was an anniversary of like an album and it had like, you know, a bunch of like popular songs on it. And he was like, do you want to like cover a song for it? I was like, all right, sure, why not? So I covered This Charming Man. Right on. And apparently he liked it so much that he was like, with artists I like, I, I asked them to like do a whole cover album of like an album that they like so it was your suggestion based yeah. on the kind of the platform that they gave you totally yeah. to work from yeah i was like that's a no-brainer like but it's also like a very bold move to go for something like that for sure like, i remember like i said yes and then like i like started working on it and i was like this is going to be very hard <laughs> yeah i could imagine because it's a very diverse group of songs mm -hmm. you know there's the back end is kind of Lush and piano-y, mm -hmm. and then, of course, there were the, the big hits mm -hmm. on the front end. Big hits. Big hits. Shout. But, but it's also, especially in today's day and age, a very um, popular strategy amongst independent artists mm -hmm. to cover songs from artists who influence them yeah. to kind of raise their profile. Sure. For instance, maybe four or five years ago, I covered um, Almost Paradise from the Footloose soundtrack. Oh, boy. And I literally, like, set up... Mics in my living room, wow. recorded piano, mm -hmm. put like some drum loops behind it. Damn. And to date, as far as downloads and streams goes, it's far eclipsed any original music wow. that I've ever released. Yeah, the, the Tears for Fears stuff is pretty popular on my Spotify. I think uh, we've seen the numbers. It's kind of crazy. Right. So so, I'm a, so what I'm asking is, like, can you verify that, yeah, we, that it's kind we of raised like, your profile you know, a little it shows bit? You, like, you know, you, you have, like, your top song, your most popular songs, like, on the, your splash page of, like, your Spotify. I think two of those songs are up there. Like, they're getting up to a million. I know that. <laughs> so it's big. You know, it's crazy. 
Part of being uh, an artist or a musician, for most artists at least, is fashioning some sort of image. Mm-hmm. I went under the pseudonym Q-Ball for quite a while uh, <laughs> because of a haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then my record label was called Bald Freak Music. I was really owning right. the you lost your hair when you were 19 thing. Really taking it in. You don't seem like a striped animal to me no. by appearance. So what is Brother Tiger and why is John Jago's Brother Tiger and not John Jago's? It's a good question, actually. I've seen like this kind of trend recently where guys uh, sort of in my genre have like started going by their name, <laughs> just their their normal name. Right. And I, you know. Not as sexy? Eh, no, I just feel like it really, I just have a real, I don't know, connection to it. I just feel like it belongs. It's like, it's like part of the sound that I make and it wouldn't be the same if it was just John Jagos. And also people don't know how to pronounce my name. So it would be kind of like That's hard true. hard to make that work in, in modern society. Like, oh, here is John Yagos. Like that's Yeah, a, but you could have you could have changed your last name like a lot of actors do to John John Thunder. Like, Johnny, right, <laughs> Johnny exactly. Thunder. But you went full animal yeah. and you went to Brother Tiger. Yeah. Was there a did you have like a, a bad acid trip that no, turned into Brother Tiger? Do you remember the moment well, where I'm like, know. I am Brother Tiger? <laughs> uh, yeah, as I sit in my dorm room, like stoned out of my mind, I am Brother No, I, I, um, I always really liked the Jungle Book as a kid. Right on. Mowgli. Yeah, 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 yeah. all that stuff. So like, Who is the tiger in the Jungle Book? Uh, Shere Khan. All right, Shere so Khan. You, I was just testing you. I knew that, of uh, course. <laughs> Do you remember the snake's name? Remember the evil snake guy? Ra? Yeah. All right. I didn't actually know Ron. that. So I, it's like, when uh, you said that, I, yeah. Disney movie Jeopardy, right? Yeah, now. yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Shere Khan. But I don't know, like, I, I just kind of like was thinking about that. There wasn't a point where I was like, I need to come up with a name. It was kind of like this thing that was like going through my head for a while. Like, this is like Brother Tiger thing. Like, it came from this like sort of like knowing that I like really like liked this movie and like the vibe. Do you remember the live action Jungle Book from the 90s? No, I oh know they God. remade it recently, right? Didn't Bill Murray like yeah. voice Baloo? There was a nineties. There was a nineties one with like actual animals in it. <laughs> really? Yeah, and it, I remember watching it, it so much as a kid. I think it was a nineties. Maybe it was like the late eighties, but I think it was a nineties. I'll look it up on IMDb um, after this podcast. And I remember Jungle. watching it so much as a kid and like loving the shit out of that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's no, it's the, it, like the story is no like. I felt a connection to Mowgli. Like, so, like, you know, I need to, you know, it was nothing like that. It was just like, I, <laughs> I, I like this, like, kind of vibe. And, like, I like the music I was making at the time kind of connected to that sort of, like, aesthetic. And I think as, especially now, like, you know, with Out of Touch, I think it really, Out of Touch was a really big, like, moment where I feel like it, like, kind of two parts became one. Like, this is, like, a f***ing, like, jungle record, you know? It's, like, it's kind of, it, it's kind of got, like, this, like, weird vibe to it that kind of reminded me of like tropical sort of music that was like but depressing tropical music (laughs) that's the headline of this podcast (laughs) talking to brother tiger about depressing tropical music (laughs) this is the second night of your tour are you going down to norfolk virginia after this how long does this tour last it lasts uh until march 10th so i think it's like 16 dates are you expecting to play any places odder than a pizza slash ping pong yeah, place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're playing... This isn't the oddest place you've ever played? 
No, 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 not at yeah, all. Yes, share a story. The oddest place I ever the played was place in. Uh, uh, it was in Tacoma, Washington. It was in a teapot, a building shaped like a teapot. I forget the name of this place, but it was like famous for being shaped like a teapot, and it was a music venue. We got there. We did the sound check and everything. Nobody showed up because it's Tacoma, Washington, and we're in a goddamn teapot. Did you play in the spigot? I don't. You know, I don't know where <laughs> where we were technically in the actual pot, but you know. Well, I hope the show goes well. I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight. Yeah. The new EP is called A Chain of Islands, mm -hmm. and I haven't eaten any pizza yet. The arugula salad is just kind of just sitting there alone. It, it, it looks like it could use some company. It really does. <laughs> John Jagos, Brother Tiger, thanks for uh, sharing your experience with me tonight, and uh, good luck on the rest of this tour and with the new release. And oh, um, thank you so let's much. eat some pizza and drink some beer. Yeah, man. Thank you so much.
That was a very cool cover of Head Over Heels by Brother Tiger. Earlier in the podcast, we heard Shallow. Pick up a chain of islands, the new EP on Bandcamp and iTunes. Find out more brothertiger.net and follow John on the socials at Brother Tiger. Thank you, friends, for spending another half hour or so in the independent-minded Twilight Zone with your old pal Ron. We had a lot of fun, didn't we? And we ate a lot of sausage. Follow the podcast, archived episodes, leave me a tip and a five-star review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Ingest everything and perhaps more than you need to know at baldfreak.com and follow on your gadgets at baldfreakmusic. Big thanks to John for the conversation, his manager Evan Taylor for setting up our talk, and David the maitre d' at Comet Ping Pong for setting us up backstage, and of course for the discounted pizza, mamma mia, it always tastes better when it's a free... Next time on the Independent Minded Podcast, Indie Music Royalty, I sit down with Clarence Greenwood. You may know him as Citizen Cope. Backstage at 930 Club to talk about surviving the music business. The Zen philosopher Basho once wrote, a flute with no holes is not a flute. And a donut with no hole is a Danish. <laughs>